If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to show some support to the One Two Podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com premium for only $4.99 a month. Stitcher Premium gives you access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive shows from Stitcher. Now, if you just want to check it out and don't know if Stitcher is for you, we've got you. You can use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout and get a month free on us. So go check it out. Alright guys, a warm welcome to another episode of the One Two Pod. This is a special edition and also an interesting edition because Albert is not here. But Steve Hahn is here. Yeah. How you doing, Steve? Good, good, good. How's it going, Michael? I'm good, but I feel like you're in just a different place right now. <laughs> you are just dealing with the highs of a Lakers Ooh. NBA Finals victory. Tell me yeah. how that feels. I mean, it's been a long time since I actually paid this much attention to basketball, to be honest with you. Because last time I was following basketball as much as I did like recently, it was probably 2010 when they last won the championship. Um, and I mean, dude, like, I mean, I talked about this when I was on for the first time with you guys, but like, you know, it was like ever since Kobe retired in 2016, basketball was kind of a afterthought for me, but man, this one, I had to, I had to get back into it and, um, to, and, and last night's game was crazy because it, it was like, it was such a weird game because they were up by 30, like late in the first half. And I was still feeling nervous for whatever reason. Like it was probably the first time I've seen a basketball game where the team I'm rooting for is up by 30 and I was still nervous. So it was kind of weird, but man, it was, it was good, man. Like this year, like um, there was no other option. They, like I really wanted to see them win. If th- there was one season that I really wanted to see them win, it was probably this season just because of, um, you know, what happened earlier in the year year but um it's just yeah it was yeah man it was it was it was something special that was a that was a special night last night for sure so like with the whole you know events of this season sure and what happened this year yeah. do you think the lakers just had that extra extra motivation to do it for kobe and just do it for yeah, the community I mean, yeah it's not even not even just the lakers and i'm sure the players had that you know had that had that had those thoughts as well but and at, but at the same time, and it's just the, the you know like us you know like the LA people you know we, as a city it was a it was a different vibe altogether. It was more of like you know in the past when the Lakers were making championship runs, it was more like oh go Lakers, we're rooting for the Lakers, go Kobe and whatnot. But this time it was it was more of an emotional one, if you get what I mean. Like um, because it was you know everywhere you go, everywhere you drive, everywhere you know every two three blocks you see you see these um you see these graffitis, you see these you know like billboards saying do it for Kobe, do it for Kobe. It was just yeah, it was a really emotional last I guess um, last uh, a month or two. Uh, just uh yeah, it was a it was a special time for sure, and especially with everything that's happened, you know, not just with basketball, but with you know with the pandemic, with the lockdown and everything to you know to finally have this moment where we actually have something to celebrate for it's it's something special for sure man it's a it was a special night in la last night for sure yeah man i'm just 
I'm just happy that you got to experience it because I think like when <laughs> yeah, we heard you, you talking about yeah. LA and about Kobe on the pot, I was like, man, yeah, man, we need to see this this happen this season. Yeah, and ever since the Clippers were eliminated, I really had it was like it was almost like this team was destined to win the championship. I had a good feeling that as soon as I saw them out, it was sort of like you know the road was already paved for us to make this championship run and just to, just to see it happen. And it was, I mean, there were some tough games here and there, but it was relatively a smooth ride to 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 the to, to the title. So um, that's what made it even more special because like for me, you know, as a Laker fan, for us, it's like. Who gives a damn? Like we don't we don't care if we get an entertaining basketball or not. Like it was about winning. Uh, it was about doing it for Kobe. So like you know, in that sense, you know, to have them, you know, uh, to win as convincingly as they did last night, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. Man, I mean, it's just it's just great to hear all of that. Do you <laughs> think that they were challenged in the finals by Miami? Oh oh yeah. I mean yeah like. She, like I'm sure you remember game five was that was a battle like that was one hell of a battle and even you know like game one was yeah that was, that, was, that was relatively an easy game to be honest with you but you know game three was a struggle for the Lakers and you know to be honest with you even game two was some somewhat of a blowout too but you know when you sort of you know go back and and and, and see how the game played out you know uh midway through the second half I would say you know the heat sort of, they, they sort of figured out the Lakers and 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 they gave it they gave it back to the Lakers a little bit too and the and game three they were the better team, uh, and game four that was a close game that was a nail biter for sure and then you know game five that was just a you know just exchanging punches, um, and then you know game six that we just I, we just broke the series open because um, I think I think experience played a big part but it, it wasn't an easy series by any means it was probably the toughest series that the Lakers played this this entire playoffs. I gotta say, like I was impressed by Miami. I think that that was a that's you know, a team. They're going yeah. to be yeah, they're yeah. gonna be around in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think we don't want to spend too much time on the NBA because we right. don't want to you know get into Albert's NBA <laughs> yeah. territory because yeah. I feel like you are perfect for a, a guest appearance on his new podcast, the Secret Weapon <laughs> yeah, Podcast. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that too, man. Anytime, man. Like, I mean, I, I know I was fucking around with Albert a little bit in our group chat, but nah, man, Miami, that's a, that's a team right there. And uh, if they had those players healthy, you know, Adebayo throughout the, if they had him throughout the series and if they had a healthy Goran Dragic, I think it, it, it definitely would have been a tougher series. I'm never going to concede to the notion that the Lakers would have lost the series with those guys healthy, but you know, it would have been a, a even tougher series for sure. It might've gone to game seven. For me, like since Jimmy buckets was in Chicago, I've always thought that, you know, uh, he's a, player, he's just man. a gamer. Yeah. He's a grinder. He, play. he plays hard. Yeah. And he has the game. He has the defense. He has everything he yeah. needs. So yeah, my I'm just happy to player, see him man. on a really it was good like team. One of, one of those things when, when when the Lakers play in the finals, you just kind of like end up hating everybody on the on, on the other team. But he's one of those players that I just really admire. It's kind of like Rondo. You know, like I hate the Boston Celtics as a Laker fan, but when we were playing them in 2010 finals and, and 2008, what a player. And I was just so happy to have him this year and to see him, you know, rebound like that. Um, Because like, his career was sort of going downhill this year. I mean, until he joined the Lakers this year. And then to see him rebound like that in the playoffs and to see him, you know, uh, play as well as he did, that was that was great to see. Because he's like the way he plays the game of basketball is just, I'm, I'm, I'm just a big fan of that. Just throwback point guard, you know, the, the 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 ultimate passer. And then he improved his shooting too, like three-point shooting. Whoa, like I didn't know Rondo had that in him. Like, so, you know, big ups to Rondo, man. 
All right, man. I feel like this is a really good um, segue into the stripes <laughs> of the week, which is like mm-hmm. our recommendations. Because actually, for me, like my recommendation is NBA related. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the weekend, I was watching this uh, Showtime documentary called "Shut Up and Dribble." Yeah, they had a they had the marathon of it, you know, on Saturday afternoon. I was like, "Wow, this oh. is just really good." Okay, and it just it gets into everything about like how the NBA and specifically the players yeah. became so powerful and became so influential in terms of just like social justice. Oh yeah, and the also NBA guys, yeah, for just sure. like how they made the ability for them to you know have so much power with the players association and mm-hmm. the collective bargaining it's incredible yeah. like yeah, for yeah. example i did not know that oscar robertson was the first players association president i didn't oh, know i that. did not know that either and he actually <laughs> created free agency yeah. oh really i didn't so, know that so for all yeah. of him being this incredibly talented point guard yeah. he was also an incredibly talented player that you know really hmm. advocated for the players and was able yeah, to yeah you know, lay the foundation for, you know, what the NBA players are now. Oh, wow. I and didn't know that, man. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah. a really good watch. It really okay. goes back through the history. Yeah, no, I'll check it, it out. It gives you, like, the 70s and 80s of the NBA, yeah. and then it also talks about, like, Malice at the Palace, oh, um, okay. different stuff in the early 2010s, yeah, no, and then I'll also, like, sure. yeah. yeah, what they're doing now. So yeah. it's, it's really good. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. share it out, but it's good. Yeah, awesome. Um, do you have any recommendations for us? Yeah, um, you might be aware of it already. I think Albert knows this for sure, but All the Smoke on Showtime, yes. I believe, you know, hosted by two of my favorite, you know, ex-NBA players, uh, Matt Barnes and, and, and Steven Jackson. Just um, just really good, you know, like down-to-earth talk show, you know, like series of talk shows with some of the biggest names in sports. And also, you know, like they had some rappers on that show as well, if I remember correctly. And um, it was a really good show, man. Like the way they host that show, the kind of conversations that they have, you don't get that when it's a journalist-to-athlete interview. You know what I mean? So it's like, guys who've who've played the game you know interviewing these people that you know it's it's just it's just a really refreshing perspective that you get from that show so yeah i would actually you know that alan iverson episode that came out recently was probably one of their one of their best um and it's it was uh it's something it's all the smoke something that i really enjoy watching week in week out yeah no i've i've listened to a couple of their episodes um i really like the Dwayne wade episode I yeah. thought the Stephen Curry episode was really good too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great podcast. Yeah. Also on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure, we will link that out. That's a good yeah. recommendation. Yeah, I like a, them a that's lot. It's a really good talk show. Yeah, yeah, those guys are those guys are good, man. I I really didn't know they had that in them when I, when they were playing, because they had they had this reputation where they're like this, you know, uh, like a little bit too gangster almost, but to you know to. To, to see them do that well because you know matt barnes is, a, is an ex-laker too so i i i love i love the guy and to see him do so well you know post playing career is just uh it's it's really good to see yeah i think that like both of them are just very they're very real but they're very funny yeah they're very down to earth and they can just because they're players yeah everyone that they bring on the show is so comfortable with them yeah exactly so they're just so yeah, willing to talk the, about so many yeah. different things yeah that's key yeah, they have great conversations, so yeah. highly recommend that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. This week is an international break, so we got two mm-hmm. really interesting friendlies for the Korean oh, national yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was two K-League sides, mm-hmm. and just to talk about like how they were made up, 
Yeah. I think the one interesting thing was that Bento got three wildcard picks. I thought that was super <laughs> interesting. Yeah, no, that was interesting. That what was did you think of the guys he picked? Um see, so like what I kind of didn't agree with, not not like not that I disagree with Bento, but this notion in the Korean media that this was sort of like a battle between the big brother and the little brother. I, I, I didn't really agree with that notion because, you know, when you actually look at the individuals who played for the, the you know, the quote-unquote, like, senior national team, a lot of these guys were young, too, like, from the, that 22, 24-year-old age group. You know, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, you know, like, Kim Ji-hyun. Um, and when I, I'll, read out, I'll read out the, the, the starting lineup here. You know, Kim Ji-hyun, Na Sang-ho, Lee Dong-kyung, uh, Han Sung-kyu, Won Doo-jae. These guys are all young. And a lot of these guys can actually play in the Olympics. They're eligible for the Olympics, too. So, you know, like, I know Bento got a lot of knock after the first game, especially, you know, because of, you know, their quote-unquote, like, struggles. But I actually liked what I saw. Because this game was always about... It wasn't about, you know, like, Bento having to prove the team cohesion as- aspect of, of his team. It was more about him trying to you know showcase these players you know weeding out the roster you know so later on when they actually have all their european based players um who are the guys that will fill up the rest of the squad i think that was the that was the biggest biggest uh, takeaway from this game and i liked what i saw from a lot of the individual players from the senior national team um so uh, i didn't really agree with you know the criticism that you know, the senior national team, it was supposed to be something of a cakewalk for them just because they're playing against a younger national team. You know, I didn't I didn't really agree with that perspective at all. All right, so this is a really interesting question that I want to ask you. Yeah. So a lot of these players were really young and they're still in their primes for the senior mm-hmm. national team. Yeah. Which ones do you think really impressed and like Bento is now considering them as players that he's going to continue calling up? When he's got his European based players, uh, like from the under twenty three team or from the players that he picked for for this particular team for for these two friends, either or. Um, you know, I I kind of tweeted about this. I didn't really tweet about like the negative aspect of it, but Wondujay is a player. He can play. He can really, really play. But I just didn't agree with the fact that he played him as a center back. Um, but man, in terms of his ability on the ball, especially the way he passes out of the back, I think he's better than any defender than that, 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 that Bento can actually play. Um, because you know, Kim Min-jae, Kim Young-won, all these guys are good passers out of the back. You know, Jung Wyong's a good build-up guy, but Won Doo-jae, he's, he was like, you know, seeing him in that first half in the first game, he was actually like, that was a completely beyond what anybody, you know, has, has, has displayed so far with like any of the, any of the defensive Korean players from, from Korea and the way he was passing. Cause he's such a, he's such a versatile passer too, because when you say, Oh, like, you know, he's a, he's a good passer. That's sometimes that's just really vague because there's a lot of different types of passers out there. But with one this is a, this is a guy who can, you know, play the ball from wing to wing he can play the ball you know forward he can play he can play those progressive passes on the ground and he can chip it over the over the opposition block so the the ability that he that he kind of displayed as a ball playing uh defender that was just like completely it it really blew my mind because I, i i already knew that he was capable of that but to see him do that as a center back at national team level 
um, that was that was really special to see that first half of the first game. I was just I was so impressed by him. I think Albert's going to love that I say this. Mm-hmm. When you see, you know, those videos that you put up of Wonduje, yeah. I immediately thought of Granite Shaka. Oh yeah. Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, just very the range similar. of passing, yeah. the different style of passing. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, no. I mean, what you put up there on Twitter was incredibly impressive and you're right. He was, you know, the star of the first half. Yeah. In everything that he did. Yeah, and um just the way he he he's so composed on the ball for especially for a young player who's like you gotta you gotta realize this is his first year in the K League. I mean I know he's been playing in the second division in Japan, but this is actually the first year he's playing top flight football in his professional career. And that's what makes all of this even more um impressive. Um I think defensively he has some he has some improvements to make, especially as a center back. You know, if he plays as a defensive midfielder, I think he can he could cope with uh, the defensive pressure a little bit better. But uh, I didn't like I didn't like some of the things that I saw from him defensively as a center back. But in terms of what he can do on the ball, um, I think he's already among the best um, in like amongst the the, the the defensive players in Korea. I want to throw something at you. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought of this just because of, you know, like looking at the roster and looking mm-hmm. at how Wan Duje was used as a center back. Yeah. Does this potentially mean that Jung Sun Young is just not rated by Bento? Oh, no, that's a good question. Um, maybe because he didn't start in the second second game either, right? No. Yeah. So that's uh, that was a bit of a surprise for me, though, because I actually like the guy. I like him as a player, but it's just that he hasn't been getting much minutes. He hasn't been getting many minutes in, in, with, the, with the national team, but he continues to get selected, which is the weird part in all of this. But um, yeah, uh, but you, you also got to consider, I, I think the fact that Bento even selected Wanduje is, uh, is, is that's, that's a statement selection in and of itself because um, this is a player who's eligible to play for Kimakbom's um, under-23 national team. Um, and that you know, Bento used um, one of his three slots that was avail- that, w- that were available to him um, to select the guy who um, who because he's, he's a really key player for the under twenty three national team too. Um, and I think one of the reasons, though, this is just my assumption, but one of the reasons why Bento used him as a defender and not a defensive midfielder is because once Bento has all of his um, best players you know from europe from the middle east from china and whatnot uh he's pretty stacked in midfield because when you and and he's got a lot of experienced players in those positions like you know he he has chu sejong he has uh chung young he has huang Bum, he has Bek Sing-ho, he has guys like that so the competition is going to be fierce and if one duje can prove that he can play as a center back um, I think that makes him that much more competitive because you know even though korea you know we've got two players who really they, they both of them have the, the starting center back positions you know locked up for them because you know Kim Young Kwon and Kim Min Jae as of now they're untouchables but when you go beyond them you know the the competition for the backup positions behind those two players we don't really have much depth in those positions you know even though I do like I do like uh Kwon and I do like um what's his name Park Jisoo but you know the competition is still wide open so Wonduje, I, I would say one of his biggest challenges is probably for him to um 
to to prove to Bento that he can be a versatile player where he can play both center back and defensive midfielder because if he um can do that then I can see him going to the going to Qatar in 2022 you know assuming that Korea makes it yeah no I totally agree I think that you know first time in the national team with Bento and he he really proved his worth and he played really well yeah. so that's a good sign for him yeah um another of Bento's wild cards also played really well. Idonggyong. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually talked about him in my own podcast uh, yesterday. What I said was, he's a solid, solid player. And one thing that's really good about him is that he's also hardworking. Because a lot of the Korean players, they may, like the technical Korean players, they sort of lack that work ethic. They lack that, you know, fierce um, attitude about them. But this guy's a little bit different because he's so hardworking. He, he won't stop running. He continues to run. But one of the things... Um, in the second game, he was he was a little better, but I think he has to do a better job of creating decisive moments in games more consistently. Because yeah, he puts in all the hard work. You know, when you when he's on the ball, you can clearly tell that he's a skillful player. But you want to see him do a little bit more because you, you you know that he has the ability to do that. You know, you want to see him you know provide that final punch in the in the, in the final third uh, more consistently than than he's doing now. And once he can do that, you know, the key for him really is not even the national team because he has to play more for at club level. To be honest with you, because I was a little bit worried when I heard about him going to Europe, is he really ready to go make that jump already um, to 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 play in Europe? Because um, this is his what um, 2018, 19. This is his third season playing professional football, and yet he's never played played a, a 90 minute game in the K League, and that to me is a little bit of a concern, because um, yeah, uh, Ulsan is a really good team. Um, that's not a team where he can just walk into the starting lineup and then start playing 90 minutes, you know, week in, week out. But you want him to kind of earn that, um, to earn those opportunities a little bit more at, at, at club level because for him to be a solidified national team player, that's almost like a prerequisite. When If you're playing in the K-League, you should be one of the star players. But right now, he's sort of, you know, he's at that, He's 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 sort of a borderline player in 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 the K League right now. So you want to see him, you know, improve in terms of you know his consistency, his decisiveness, and things of that nature. If you could think of a team in the K League that could take him on loan and really give him a good role, yeah. can you think of a team that could use him? I think any um, team that's probably outside the top two or top three can definitely utilize him better than what. Ulsan have been doing this season like because he's such a skillful player that you have him on your team he's gonna be an asset there's there's no question but it's just that Ulsan like they're so stacked especially in his position I mean for crying out loud like Lee Chung-yong is their you know attacking midfield central midfield player and once you have a player like that and Yumbikaram another you know player who's you know he's a hell of a player as well so it's it's tough for him because he's going up against players who are just so much more experienced than him um, maybe a loan move within the K League will suit him better than making that straight jump to Europe right now. And um, I actually do think it's a good thing that he didn't make that move to MLS earlier this year, um, because nothing against MLS, but you know, playing in Vancouver is tough, man. Like you, like you know, uh, talking to uh, Huang Inbum, he told us. It was actually he didn't he never wanted to admit this while he was playing in Vancouver, but playing on artificial turf was just was just a really pain in the ass for him. And I think for a young player like Yi Dong Gyung who ha- who doesn't have much professional experience yet, 
um those kind of you know factors could really really um hold him back from developing so i think it's actually a good thing that he stayed in korea um and i was concerned when i heard that he was making that jump to europe i believe it was like that i, I believe that move to boa vista was like 99 percent complete and it was just the tiny little details that just didn't work out for him but this could be a blessing in disguise for him to be honest with you because i think next season he'll either have to overcome the competition to start playing for Ulsan more consistently or he's going to have to you know get that loan move and start playing more consistently because he's going to have to start playing 90 minutes week in week out like there's there's no doubt about that um these little cameo appearances for Ulsan I don't think that's going to cut it for him hmm if I have to think about teams that I'd love to see him play for yeah I think he could be really fun at Kangwon Oh yeah, Kangwon would that be would good. Be really fun yeah. to watch. Uh, Tegu would be nice, or even you know one of the like like uh, I think you mentioned was it you who mentioned it on Twitter? I think Incheon would be a good fit for him as well, um, just because that's a that's you know that's a counter attacking team right there, and Yidong Gyeong I think suits that. Um, so yeah, it's like any loan move to one of the teams that may not be competing for a place in the AFC Champions League, I think could could really 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 use him. Even FC FC Seoul, honestly. Or Suwon, but, you know, like, any team, to be honest with you. Any team that's not Ulsan or Jumbo, just put it that way. All right, let's think about, let, let's sort of wrap up with the senior team. Yeah. Any other players that really caught your eye? Man, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this last time as well. I, I really like Son Juno. Um, Son Juno is a player, he's more of a box-to-box -box player when he's playing in the K-League, but in this game, he was more of that, you know, disciplined figure at the back of the midfield, playing that holding midfield role, and he was, I think, again, first half of that first game, I thought he was impeccable, but, you know, he started to, you know, make those risky defensive moves um, in, in, in the second half of that game, so that was a struggle for him, but I really like him. I think he's a player who can compete for a starting place in the national team if he keeps this up. And another player that I liked was Kim ji who played up front, who only played 45 minutes in, the, in that first game, but I liked him. I, like, I, I heard him, you know, like I heard the commentary um, in, the, in the first game. The commentators weren't very happy with his performance, but, you know, I... I don't necessarily agree with that. I think his link-up play was really good. His ability to play with his back to goal was was really good. And when Wonduje was hitting those long balls into the final third, he was the player who was tracking those long balls. So I, I like his first touch was was really good for the most part. Um, his link-up play was good. Sort of reminded me of Ji Dongwon when he used to be a serviceable player for Korea. Um, so I, I, I like him a lot. I like Kim Jeon because he's a player who scored 10 goals in the K-League last season, if I remember correctly. And you don't get a lot of those in, in, in the K-League, a domestic player who can score, you know, in double digits. So, um, yeah, I liked him in that game. And, uh, I mean, I think individually, all these guys played a pretty solid game. Like, I think, um, Da Sang-ho, Han Sung-gyu, Lee Young-jae, they were... You know, you could say that they were mediocre, but the rest of the guys, I, I like the, I like Kim Taewon too. I think Kim Taewon is a player who can start for Korea, um, yeah, at, the, I agree at, with that. at at the World Cup, like really, um, in two years' time, I think he's a player who can potentially start for Korea. Yeah, I agree with that. I really liked how he played in the first yeah. match. I think that, like, I mean, just when you play for Ulsan and you play right back for them, that just means you have yeah. so much. Yeah. opportunities to get those crosses in you have mm -hmm. a lot of creative players to work with yeah i mean that translates to the international game and he his pace is so electric and it's like it's so impressive that even defensively he's not a natural defender because this guy's an ex-winger but um defensively 
like defensive one-on-one situations, when he gets beat, he has the speed to just catch up and continue to play, like stay in front of the ball. And that's the most impressive thing about this guy because he's not a great um, 1v1 defender, but at the same time, when he gets beat, he catches up to his 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 marker, and that's that's it's every time I see that it's just so impressive. Yeah, no, I think that like as long as Kim Moon Hwan continues to struggle with fitness or mm. continues to struggle with form, I think that you yeah. know Bento should be looking at Kim Taewon as much as he can because yeah. this guy continually produces for Usan. Yeah. He's and I think so having good. those two players, it's a it's a good thing for Korea have to to have those two guys uh, compete for a, for the, for the starting place because uh, Kim Moon is more of a guy like he's got a good attacking game as well, but he's sort of he's a player who sort of likes to cut in. He likes to play in the half space. He likes to link up and play those passes. But Kim Taewon is more of a direct player. You know what I mean? Like he runs up and down the wing. He puts in crosses. I mean, granted, his crosses aren't accuracy of his crosses aren't like it's not that great but at the same time you know his speed you know the the width that he offers you know like offensively i i I really liked what i saw from him i liked what i saw from him during the east asian championship too last year so um this is something that's been going on consistently so i really like that about him I also thought he looked really good with Lee Dong-kyung. I thought their link-up was really good. They oh, knew yeah. where each other was going to be. Yeah. So I think that that was just, you know, another point that just really added to, yeah. you know, both of their play. Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, Lee Dong-kyung and um, Kim Tae-wan, you got you to gotta realize, like, these guys probably train together every single day at their club. So, you know, those are one of those things, too. Like, at, if you're Paolo Bento, like, you got to be able to utilize things like that, too, because you have Ursan and Jumbuk who are really good teams for K-League standards. And, you know, to utilize the chemistry that those two teams have, like, it's, you know, I think I think that's, that's going to be a big thing for him. All right, let's sort of transition and let's talk about the U23 sure. team. Sure. What did you think of them? Do you think that they're getting ready for the Olympics? Yeah, well, what I found really interesting about these two games, I think when you're talking about the individual players who stood out, the senior national team actually had more individual players who stood out. But when you're talking about team cohesion, the team chemistry aspect of it, I think the under-23 team was actually more impressive, especially in that first game. Um, and you got to realize, too, like the under-23 national team, they didn't have their best players either. Because, you know, obviously they didn't have the players playing abroad. But um, in terms of individual players, I really liked Oh Sehun. Always liked him. Um, liked what he did um, uh, last night as well. Um, Amon Sang, you get him the ball in transition, he's going to make something happen because he's so fast. Um, so, like, really like those two guys. Uh, Song Mingyu, I like what he did in spurts really good player i know what he's been doing in the k-league he's been super impressive but at the same time i think it's a little bit similar with what i said about um Idong-kyung. you just want to see more consistency from him throughout you know a, a 90 minute span in a game you want to see him you know uh sort of like wield that 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 influence a little bit more because he creates moments but in terms of you know, the overall impact he has throughout 90 minutes, I think that's something that he's going to have to work on a little bit more. But, you know, his, his raw ability, it's clearly there. So I like him a lot, but he's going to have to compete for a place because the competition for for for, for, for spots in, in, in the squad for the Olympics, that's going to be fierce. Because if Igangin can play, if Valencia um, grants him the permission to play at the Olympics, he's going to walk into the team. 
There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, the, I, I believe you can only take 18 players to the Olympics. Man, the competition is going to be unreal. Um, and this is a really talented team. Uh, Kim Akbom got them to play a really cohesive um, type of football. I know they got hammered in the second game, but up until, like, I don't know, like the midway through the second half, they were actually they 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 actually looked pretty solid to me. So um, I liked what I saw from them. Liked what I saw from them, especially as a team. That's the I think that's the key thing. Like yeah, you do want to see good individual plays from these you know individual players. But what was really uh, impressive to me was that as a team, they looked like a really uh, they they looked pretty consolidated to me. And that was the that was the most um, that was the most impressive part in all of this for me. I mean, I think that like just Kim Akbum having been with the U23 team now for a couple of years, yeah. it just seems to me he's building a style of how the U23 team will play. Yeah. And it just, it's like there's a lot of link up play, there's a lot of really intricate passing moves. Mm -hmm. It's organized. Yeah. Um, it's attacking. It's mm -hmm. fun to watch. Like, I, I really like what he's doing with this team. Yeah, I honestly, um, I would love to see him be the U23 coach for a long mm -hmm. time because it's clear yeah. he knows what he's doing with this age group. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Korea has a successful Olympics campaign next year in Tokyo. He's going to be uh, one of the contenders for the for the actual like real national team job because Bento's not going to stay for that long. Like The longest Bento will stay with Korea is probably 2022, and that's about it for him. Because I think he has his own ambitions too, is to make that impressive run with Korea at the 2022 World Cup and, you know, revive his career in Europe again. And who can blame him for that? And once he leaves Korea, you know, hopefully after a successful World Cup campaign in, in, in 2022, um, like, I don't see anybody who is, who's, who's a better fit for the, for the national team job than, than Kim Akbom really at this rate. It's all going to depend on how this Olympic campaign goes. But... Um, as of now, the way I see it, um, of all the contenders who can actually, you know, um, who can who can who can lead Korea after the World Cup um, in 2022, I think it's I think it has to be Kim Akbom. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that like the way the U23 team plays, yeah. it's clear that that is a style that can work at any age group. Sure, and it can work with even better players yeah just imagine seeing him work with sunny again right. and huangy chan all these players at the national team level i think yeah. it would be really fun to watch yeah. it's not even just like what he's been doing with the under 23 national team over the last you know like two three years like his impressive um managerial ability it goes way back to like the mid you know to like 2005 2004 you know what i mean with Sungnam and with you know saving teams out of the relegation zone in the k league like kangwon it's you know he's been a good manager for about a good like 15 16 17 years so like he deserved this chance much earlier, actually. And now he's it's just so good to see him get this opportunity finally because he really hasn't been one of the mainstream guys, you know, like, quote-unquote. Like, you know, he's not... He wasn't an elite, like, a, a player during his playing career. Um, as a manager, he really just started from the bottom, you know, working as a as an assistant coach, things like that. But to, to see him finally get this chance, he should have been given this chance in 2006, really. 
So he's about 14 years late. Like KFA was about 14 years too late giving him this opportunity. But to finally see him get that chance and do as well as he is doing right now, um, hopefully the, the Olympics next year it's a successful one for him because that's going to be key. Because, you know, once the public turns uh, their back on a, on, a, on, a, on a national team manager, you know how bad that goes in Korea. So hopefully, for his sake, you hope that the, the Olympics for him, it goes successfully. Um, and, and if he does, um, I think he should be one of the top candidates to, to, to lead the senior national team after, after 2022 World Cup. I have a question for you, Steve. Yeah. Is this potential Olympic squad... Mm -hmm. more talented than the 2018 Asian game squad? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I think, I'm not sure if it's more talented, but I do think it could be a better team. Because when you go back and watch those Asian games, um, uh, games, uh, it's like, that was a dysfunctional team. Like, I mean, Kim Up got it done. Like he 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 made it happen. He made the right adjustments and he, you know, he and, and, and they won the gold medal. But a lot of those games, when you see how those games played out, this was a dysfunctional team, like a top heavy team, if you know what I mean. And I think defensively, this team is actually a much better team than the one we saw at the Asian Games. Um, and the way they play in transition, because that Asian Games team, they relied a lot on Hwang Ijo to finish off those chances. You know, it was it was more like, you know, get him in the box, give him the ball, let him take care of business. It was like one of those there were a lot of a lot of situations um in, in in those games, but um I think the team right now cohesively they're a better team. I think individually, I mean, the Asian Games team they had Son Heung-min, Hwang Ijo, Hwang Ichan, Lee that was that was a really talented team. And you know, that's not to take anything away from guys who could play at the Olympics next year. But um, individually, I think that's debatable. But like cohesively as a collective unit, I think this team is 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 actually a better one than than what we saw at the Asian Games. So to trim it down to eighteen is obviously just you know really yeah, that's really, be really a, difficult. Yeah, that's gonna be brutal. How do you think that be, uh, that Kim Upum does this, and where do you think he looks for his overage players? <sighs> I think Kwon Chang Hoon is a lock. I think he goes to the Olympics no matter what, unless he gets injured again, um, which is a possibility, to be honest with you. But as long as he stays healthy, I think he goes to Tokyo. Uh, I do think they need a fullback. I do think they need a fullback. Uh, and maybe a center back, too. So I would say Kwon Chang-un. Uh, fullback, I can see... I can see a player like Kim Taewon going to the Olympics, but you know that's just my wild. I'm just throwing this out there. I don't have it. I don't. I don't have a source for this or anything like that. That's sort of like my. Um, that's sort of like my, um, my. My one of my guesses, I guess. Um, and, and center back, oh, man. The 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 best scenario would be taking Kim Kim Min Jae. If they can take him, because if he earns that move to Europe next summer, he's he ain't going to the Olympics. But if he doesn't. I mean, you know, that's going to be another frustrating summer for him, really. But, like, if he can go to the Olympics, impress there, and maybe go to the go, go to Europe afterwards, like, directly after after the Olympics, that would be a nice that would be a nice little scenario for him, too. But, yeah, I would say Kwon Chang-un, um, a fullback, and a center back. 
those are three positions that they probably those those the, the like three players I think I think those are the three players that that Kim Akpom will likely take. Um, but I think I think goal I think the the, the goal, goalkeeper position they're they're pretty they're they're pretty well off there now. Um, so a center back and a fullback, I think one of those two positions will have to be strengthened with with an overage player. Ooh, okay. So I'm yeah. gonna just sort of take this in a different direction. Yeah, I'm gonna say that they're not very set off in the goalkeeper position. Oh, really? And I'm thinking that so mm-hmm. obviously Song Gun has his exemption, so I'm not so yeah. sure if he's gonna go mm-hmm. again. And also, sure. you never know if he just decides it's his time to you know negotiate a transfer. So maybe mm-hmm. he's gonna be working on that. Yeah. I would say that they do Gu Sang Yun. Oh no, that's a, I. I actually I think that's actually the rumor right now. Um, that they might take that that he's thinking about taking him too because um yeah he's a good player man and I think he was injured for 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 today's games so that's why he couldn't play but oh man to use I mean because Songwon was a solid player I mean he's playing for a, I don't think he's I don't think he's one of the best goalkeepers in Korea to be honest with you but I think he's solid enough where you can just say oh we can live with him going to the Olympics um because uh. He, you know the, the 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 way I see it, um, I think Kim Akpom should be a little desperate to strengthen the fullback position because it's not looking good over there for this team, to be honest with you. Um, and I think to use one of those three slots on a goalkeeper, I wouldn't say it's a waste, but it's a, that's a risky move because you got other other positions that 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 he's gonna have to fill. And um, to use that on the goalkeeper when you have Song Bumgun, I think. Uh, I mean, I can under like if he makes that decision, I can actually see why he would do it. But at the same time, if I were him, you know, center back, full back, those are two positions that I'm going to strengthen. And then on top of that, I would, I would, I would take Kwon Changwon, just because okay, I want to, I, I want to keep his career for you. going. Yeah, I have another proposal for you. Yeah, um, Jung Soo Won plays so much at wing <laughs> yeah. back for Daegu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what if you use him as one of your fullbacks? Yeah, that's a possibility, especially when you consider the fact that Kim Akpom is a manager who likes to play the back three, you know. Um, I think that's a possibility for sure. And Chung Soo-won is a player, man. Like, I, I talked about him the last time I was I was on with you guys. And um, his versatility is just out of this world. Like, um, he can play as an attacking midfielder. He can play as a central midfielder. Um, he can play as, a, as, you know, something of a six too, really. And then, and then he can also play as a winger, and he can play as a wing back. So, um, if if the back three is one of the options that Kim Akpom is going to go with, then I think he's an option for sure. But I think a fullback and a back four could be a little difficult for him. That's a that's 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 a whole new challenge for him altogether. But if if back three is on the cards, I think I think he I think he's an option for sure. And yeah, I, who, so I who think knows? Like... It, it, might, it may be worth the experiment for him to you know play fullback and a back four too. Yeah, I think that that's that's something that could consider because yeah. for me, I think that the three overage picks that I could see, yeah. like in terms of just the logistics and like in terms of like the military exemption considerations. Sure. sure. I mean, you can't I would ignore say that. Kwon Chang Yeah. Jung Sung Hyun and Gu Sung Yun are the three that just make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Chung Sung Hyun, you think he's a player who can go to the Olympics? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, th- I, I think there was a rumor uh, floating around about him as well going to the Olympics. But man, uh, I mean, Chung Sung Hyun is a. I, th- I would say he's a candidate too to be one of the overage players, just because he's a center back and there's a position that 
Uh, Kimakpoum will have to strengthen, I think, because um, he needs more experience at the back, for sure. Especially because his team, they have to be a good defensive team to be able to play his style of football, because I think so. Um, I think that's really important because you're going to have one DJ playing that um, holding midfield role. Um, in front of the in front of the back four, back three, whatever whatever back line that Kimakum decides to go with. So yeah, Jung Seon, I can see that happen. I can see that happen. But I just think goalkeeper. Yeah, like I said, if Kimakum decides to pick an overage goalkeeper to fill one of his three um, overage uh, player slots, I, I I would sort of see the reason why he would go that route. But if I were him. I wouldn't pick an overage goalkeeper just because I think um, like Kwon Chang Won I think is a must, and then you take into account the the, the need that he has at the fullback and center back position. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, it would be nice to have a better goalkeeper, nice to have a goalkeeper who's more experienced. But um, I think he has a like, like those two positions, center back and fullback. Um, the, the the need to improve in those two positions is just really big for for Kimakpum. Yeah, no, I think that like I agree with you about the center back specifically. Like I think that like yeah. in the first batch watching Jung Taeuk and Kim Jae, I yeah. think that they just look scared. Yeah, and, like, and whenever don't get me wrong, those running at them, yeah, yeah, they look scared. Yeah, those are two good players, and they're good players in the air too. Like physically, they're intimidating, but it's just that you know defensively to be able to defend players who are really skillful as especially at international level because you're going to have good attacking players at the olympics these these teams that are going to be there um and i i i think though like i think kimapon will need at least one a uh, senior national team level defender to, to 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 lead that back line to have a really good campaign there so for you you would say that two senior two overage players should be used on just strengthening the defense uh one center back and one fullback makes sense yeah I mean, that, because yeah. you know like i mean I, I have nothing against improving the attack but you already have so many good players there like once you have igang in you have a playmaker who will make plays you just get him the ball he's gonna make plays at that you know at that level and um you know possibly you can have pexingo there uh playing a support role in midfield and you have one Duje who can play all these great passes from 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 deep midfield positions. Um, I think they're pretty set over there. And then you also have to realize uh, Kimakbom very well may go with Izumu as well because he's eligible for to to play to play in the Olympics and he's getting consistent playing time in Belgium right now. Um, and but like even for a player like him, it's tough to get into this team because the competition for you know these attacking positions is just so fierce. Um, so I think he's. He's in good hands in terms of the players that he has at his disposal. Disposal um, offensively, uh, defensively, I think he has some 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 improvements improvements to make in terms of you know the personnel. So in terms of like the fullbacks that you've seen, I mean, there's obviously mm -hmm. like Lee Yuhyun, there's Yoon Jong-gyu, yeah. yeah, Kim Jin-ya, mm -hmm. players like that. Have you not really seen enough from them where you're like these guys can <sighs> really? Go to the Olympics. And I, really I do successful. like I do like Kim Jinya just because he's such an athletic player, um, and he's versatile. He's versatile. Uh, he can play as a winger. Uh, he can play as a fullback. He can play as a wingback. That's what I really like about him. But the other players that you mentioned, uh, I don't really have much faith because uh, they're talented players. Don't get me wrong, but 
I think to bank on them at the Olympics where one game could be, you know, make or break game. So it's um, I think if you can have at least like one fullback who's a little bit more experienced at professional level, um, that could really um, uh, stabilize this team a little bit more. All right. I mean, talking to you, it just gets me more excited for the Olympics <laughs> next year. I hope they happen. And I just really want to see, you know, how he makes this roster and yeah. how talented it will end up being. I think yeah. that, you know... I mean, one way or the other, this is going to be a really talented squad. Yeah. It's just... And trust me, I don't really exciting. say this... Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't say this a lot about about about, about uh, Korea's teams. But this one, I'm actually really looking forward to, to like, how, how the squad is going to be uh, uh, formed. Just because yeah, he's mean, got so many talented players at his disposal. I, like... Just thinking about like, okay, how do you make, how do you pick 18 players for this team? Exactly. It would be tough to go with 23, to be honest with you. And to yeah. trim that to 18, man, that's going to be, that's going to be a nightmare situation. He's probably already stressing, you know, and we're about yeah. like, we're, we're like eight, nine months away. You know what I mean? And I mean, like, I just think that's like, it's so interesting. Every time you see this U23 team play, yeah. you see, you know, more dilemmas that he has to think about, right? Exactly. And like, because he wasn't like, even thinking yeah. about Song Bingyu. That's what I'm that's what I was just gonna say. Like, like he was an afterthought until like up until like, you know, like two, maybe two, three months ago. So um yeah, this is it's gonna be a tough, tough, um uh, a, a lot of tough choices for him, really. I mean, it's also just when he's done with that process and when he decides the 18, I think that that's yeah. just going to be a huge moment for him personally where he's just like, I've done it. Yeah, I've come yeah. up with 18 players that I'm taking to Tokyo and he's going to yeah. be, you know, super excited about it because in the end, like his pool of like what, 25 to 30-ish players, like yeah. he has a lot to work with. So, yeah. you know, when he trims it down to 18, he's like, I've got 18 good players with me. Yeah, and I think it'll come down to a lot of these players if they can play multiple positions. I think that that can that can really be a big factor for these players. That's why I mentioned like for one DJ, it's going to be important for him not only for the senior national team but for this Olympics team too. If he can play competitively both as a center back and as a defensive midfielder, that makes the team that much stronger. And also, like you mentioned, Chung Seung-won. Uh, Chung Seung-won. He can play as a wing back, full back, attacking midfielder, central midfielder, defensive midfielder. Like, if you can play that many positions as well as he can, you are going to the Olympics, in 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 in, in my opinion. So, um, for a lot of these players, I think the talented players that you see who can just play one position specifically, they may lose out really, unless you're Igangin. Um, Who's just supremely talented at what he, what he what he can do, but um, if you're a player who can only play one position specifically well, I think you could be one of the players who can miss out on the Olympics next year. Okay, that has just gotten me to a really good question. Yeah, what players do you think that are playing for the U23 team right now mm -hmm. are in a position where they may get cut for the Olympics? Whoo! Does Beck single count? Yeah, I would say Why him. Not? Really, no, because I like that. I like the guy. I like him as a player, but I think in terms of versatility, there are players who can offer very similar skill sets as 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 he can, but they can play different roles as well. 
And I think Pexingal, yeah, he, he can play as an attacking midfielder, defensive midfielder, as a central midfielder. But I think it, positionally, he's a little bit limited compared to some of the some of the competitors that that he'll have to go through to make this squad. And man, it's gonna be a heartbreaking thing for him because um, he's a super, he's a talented player, and he's playing in Europe, so that gives him a competitive edge too. But positionally, he's a little bit more limited than the other midfielders that we have right now on this team. So he could be one of the players who can miss out, which would be unfortunate, really, because man, they, they should really expand. They should really change the, the 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 squad rule to twenty three or something, because eighteen players going to an international tournament it just doesn't make any sense to me. Because you can have just like seven players on the bench, and that's that. You know what I mean? Yeah. What if the what if the tournament starts and you get two three players injured? You have to roll with like 14, 15 players. That just yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the thing that you just said about Pexingo is like he got cut for Asian games. Right. So right. just just imagine like getting cut again. Exactly. But I think that like, okay. Let me throw out another name there. Uh Jogusung. Do you think he's gonna be in the picture or not? I mean I hope I hope he goes because I really like the guy. I like him as a player. Um I like his skill set. I liked what I saw from him in the first game of these two friendlies. Um, but that it might be it might be tough for him too because the competition's fierce, man. Because Ozan, he's a like I think he's starting for this team. I think he's starting for this team, and I know Chogusan can offer something different too. He's a little bit more of a he's a little bit more you know like lighter on his feet. He's a little bit more skillful on the ball. He's got a better face up game. Um, but he could get cut too. But if I'm if I'm Kimakpam, I take him because I like the skills that he offers. All right, let me let me let me throw out a couple more names that I'm sure. thinking that like might be on the bubble. <laughs> Meng Sangu. Oh, sorry, man, I'm not taking him because I uh, I mean, solid player, solid player, but um, and I know he can play multiple positions as well, but I think he loses out just because the squad you have to limit it to 18 players. I think it's going to be tough for him to make it. Okay. Kim Dae-won. He has to go. He has to I mean he has to he has to go to the Olympics. I mean, I take him if I'm the coach because the man, but he also falls in that category where, you know, positionally he's either an attacking midfielder or a wide player who's going to cut in to make plays and he's a little bit limited too in that in, in in from that perspective, but just because of the sheer talent and the skills that he can offer, I would take him. All right, let's do one more. And this one, I feel like I'm not so sure where you're going to go, but I think I know where I would go with this. Yeah. On one song. Woo, that's a that's a tough one too. But I, dude, I like him too much. I wouldn't leave him out. I like him too much. And you can use him like, you know, the type of football that Kim Apam likes to play. He's a counterattacking kind of guy. And for you to play that brand of football, you need a player like Omon Sang because he's probably one of the fastest players in Asia, to be honest with you. You know, especially in transition, when you have an open pitch in front of you with only like one or two guys with plenty of space to beat, he's probably one of the best, um, at, in that, especially in that age group in Asia. So, you know, I would take him. All right. I feel like we have just talked about so much U23 <laughs> and then, stuff. And then there's Chong Young at Freiburg. Like how how yeah. do you leave how do you leave that guy out? But there's just there just aren't enough spots, 
you know? I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's going yeah. to be so interesting to see how he, yeah. Because yeah. like, and that lone spell at Bayern Munich, like he turned himself into uh, an attacking midfielder there. He's added another weapon to his game where you, whereas, you know, like before he was more of a wide player. Um, but now he can play multiple positions too. So, and and so like, what do you do with him? You know what I mean? Because that, you know, AFC, the U23 championship earlier this year was a bit of a struggle for him, if you remember. But, you know, since then, he's come a long way. He's a different player now. And for, you know, if you're Kim Akbom, to leave him out, that's going to be another heartbreak because he's such a talented player. He's got so much upside. He's getting he's gaining all this experience in Europe as well. So, like, what do you do with a guy like that? Do you leave him out? I mean, it would be really tough for me. But if you end up taking all these players, you're going to run out of spots. So it's going to be tough, man. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I think that, like, just with how many talented attacking midfielders slash wingers yeah. that Kim Akbom has to pick from, yeah. I think he's going to have to, you know, leave out one player where you're like, oh, why then, did he do that? And then on and top then it, of all of that, you have to pick three overage players, you know? So, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough. All right, before we sort of, like, get too scared about how rough it's going to be. <laughs> Let's talk about November. Sure. Um, within the past couple hours, we've got a confirmation of who Korea will be playing next month. Yeah. And yeah. it will be Mexico and Qatar. Okay. So what do you think about those matchups in Austria? Man, I'm really looking forward to it just because, like, I mean, first of all, I mean, Mexico, Qatar are two quality opponents for, for friendlies, but also at the same time, this is the first time we're actually going to see an official national team game since December of last year. This is the longest time I haven't been able to see an official Korean national team game like ever in my life. And that's what, that's what makes me look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these two games. And Mexico, it's, al it's always a pleasure to play against that team. Just because, you know, they're such a good team, so many talented players, and they always give us their 100% when they play, whether it's the World Cup game, friendly, really like playing against them. I know Korea's gotten hammered against them when we were playing um, friendlies against them as well, like earlier, uh, but um, always a good test to play against Mexico, so really looking forward to that. Uh, Qatar, that's an interesting matchup because they're a quality team. You know, they're, they're, they've become a team in Asia. You know, how do you not respect them now? You know, they've won the Asian Cup. They're the Asian champs. So you have to give them that respect. And they beat us in the in, in, in the Asian Cup last year. So and it's, I believe it's the first time uh, Korea's facing them um, in, a, in, a, in a senior team, a senior national team game since the Asian Cup. So that's going to be a really good game because I'm assuming that they're going to have their best players as well. And um, that's going to be a really good matchup. And yeah, it's just to see the national team back in action. And if you consider the fact that Korea haven't had their european-based players play for the national team since november of last year you know this is the first time they're actually playing at, at full strength in like a year in exactly a year really um you know although you know you have to take into account the the, the potential players that you can miss out on because of the afc champions league and all that but um just, yeah just I'm, I'm really excited for him for it and i'm really just like looking forward to it i think just Honestly, the fact that it's um, Mexico is just really exciting to me. I think like yeah. playing against a Tata Martino coached team, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just it's a tactical workout. Yeah, and that's, you have to really prepare for him. Right, and that's why I enjoy against I enjoy playing against Mexico so much because it's not just Tata Martino. Like 
you had Osorio back then, and you had all these mm-hmm. great, like all these great coaches that they've had, and all these great individual players that they had, and cohesively, like they're a really good team too. Like even when Mexico, even when they just play with their domestic players, they give us their hundred and twenty percent every time we play against them in friendly. So that's like Mexico always a quality uh, opponent uh, for friendlies. So like it's and I've got a lot of friends who like know the Mexican national team like so well, and that's always you know, like personally that's a that that that's really exciting for me too. And I'm I'm really looking forward to it that Mexico game uh, more so than Qatar really. I'm looking forward to that match also because yeah. I think just like being able to watch the Spanish commentary of that, <laughs> yeah. it'll just be so much fun because I think that like yeah. Spanish commentary, especially on Mexican national team games, is yeah. just another level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so much also, fun to listen to. Yeah, the, the fact that this is always is a, on point. Yeah, and also the fact that this is a rematch of that World Cup game from two years ago because, man, like that was a heartbreaking game for us, but at the same time, that was also a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and to and to have this rematch two years later, it's gonna be it's gonna be a special game for sure. Exciting stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's just sort of talk a little bit about the logistics. What do you know about the logistics of like how they're setting up Ooh. their Austria camp, all of that? Yeah. Um, I what I did hear was that Bento will select as many um like uh, European based players or players playing outside of Korea. Uh, as many of as many as he can just because as you mentioned like the logistics of having to take players based in korea to europe and take them back to korea where they're gonna have to be self-isolated for two weeks that's a lot of work um but inevitably he'll have to take he'll have to take some k-league players just because you know you korea we don't have enough players playing in europe to be able to you know have like you know like i I think japan had a 25-man squad all like all of them playing in europe or something i'm not even Mm -hmm. sure how that was even possible for them that's crazy but um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be tough um having to you know you because you're gonna have to keep them isolated once they get to europe as well sort of like how the nba players played in bubble so um it's gonna be like the korean football version of of the bubble but um yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see totally a different atmosphere too i'm assuming it's gonna be a a closed door game uh, both of them in 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 austria um Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. And then you take them and the K-League players that he's going to have to select uh, for Bento, he'll have to take them back to Korea and they'll have to be isolated for two weeks. And um, I mean, good thing for them is that the K-League will be over. So it's not a, it's not like they're taking a huge hit. But at the same time, it's something that they never dealt with before. And I think psychologically that could affect these players throughout the camp. But yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Like, who knows? There's so many uncertainties with the, with this Corona situation. This, um, it's the first time they're playing ever since this actually happened. So I'm like, I'm actually looking forward to it myself. Yeah, just like seeing how they try to do it, and obviously, like we've just, I mean, the NBA bubble worked yeah. perfect perfectly honestly yeah, like yeah. everything worked out for them so i think like the example of how this situation can work just setting up a bubble like atmosphere yeah. at your camp it can work yeah. so hopefully we can see you know the kfa ex- execute it well yeah um i'm excited for that all mm. right let's sort of wrap up with i have two questions for you that sure. i want to sort of wrap up with sure what do you think of Huang Yi chan's transition to rb leipzig so far um I mean, I love the move, first of all, 
I love the move simply because I look at this long term. You know, like right now, you know, he's had an injury too, and and then things like that. But he's not starting for the team to start the season. But I think that's fine. I think the long term effects of him being coached by Nagelsmann is actually really uh, something that's going to help him in the long run because um, Nagelsmann's a football mind. I mean, we all know what 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 a great football mind that he is, and to have an opportunity where you can be coached by a guy like that day in day out in training sessions i think that's going to be a tremendous experience for him um and obviously he's going to have to play consistently um we'll see if that'll be the case i do think they just signed justin clavert um rb leipzig so competition is going to be pretty fierce for him but you know he's going to have to overcome that he's playing for a big club the leipzig are a big club so um you know they're playing in the champions league um they're one of the you know, you can call them a contender for the Bundesliga title as well. Um, so, it, the, the, you know, the competition for a starting place will be, it's going to be fierce for him. But I do like the move when I look at it from a long-term perspective, just because of the experience that he's going to have with um, just being coached by Nagelsmann and, and, and things like that. And, and the brand of football that Leipzig likes to play, it suits him almost perfectly provided that he can play so um yeah i like the move i like the move a lot and i'd say give him about six months give him until you know the season after this one and then and then and then i think we can judge more clearly mm. i mean i i really like it too i think that like yeah. i'm definitely going to be watching leipzig and also i've been watching freiburg and have been yeah. really interested in seeing how well Quan mm -hmm. and jungle yeah, are doing there well. teams are a lot of fun to watch really yeah it yeah. really is. I mean, I definitely recommend if you haven't got ESPN Plus and you don't think it's worth it or you're, yeah. you're like on the fence, Bundesliga is just really, really interesting to watch. Yeah. Every game is very exciting. I, yeah. I, I, it's just like real high-intensity games, and that's what I really enjoy about the Bundesliga. All right, my last question for you. Yeah. Um, the transfer window ended, and nothing really happened for Kim Min-jae. <laughs> Where do you think he goes from here? Oh, man, I got so many things that, like, I've heard throughout the transfer window. And, man, like, Tottenham, I, you know, like, we keep seeing these mentions where, you know, he's still, after all this, is linked with Tottenham. And, I, you know, I believe that. You know, it's not that I don't believe it. But, like, the stories that I've heard was that Tottenham, they constantly had interest in him. The move that they made was never really that substantial. That's the that's the version of the story that I've been hearing from my sources. But you know, like I'm starting to see all these interviews by a like you know these lawyers in London who were there to represent Kim Min Jae to engineer that move to Tottenham. These Korean people in London. So like it's not that I don't believe that Tottenham were interested in him, but I'm just not sure how serious they were. You know what I mean? And um. You know, I've heard all these stories about Lazio, the weird story about the about the Asian fees um, uh, 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 being a factor and affecting that move, that that potential move negatively. And I do believe somebody from Kim In Jae's camp uh, denied the, the 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 rumored move to Lazio too. But I do believe that person, that particular source, was someone who was there to try to engineer that move for him to go to Tottenham. So I'm not sure if that's something that you can believe 100%. Um, but, man, where does he go from here? That's a tough one, man, because 
you know, when I heard that um, uh, Beijing Guan, when they uh, signed Tony Sunich from Bosnia, who played, you know, he was playing in Russia, but it was almost like, okay, this move for Kim Min-jae is finally going to happen. You know what I mean? But they, <laughs> they bought that Bosnian defender and loaned him directly right after the move to another Chinese team. And I honestly, like, I've never seen anything like that before where a Chinese team buys a 31 European player and just loans them out to another team. That was one of the weirdest things I've seen out of all my years of, you know, covering this sport. Like, that was a first. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is China. Anything can happen. So it's really difficult for me to to come up with any prediction. But... Um, I do think he gets that move eventually. Um, whether it's gonna be whether whether that's uh, the, the this upcoming winter or summer, I just don't know because so many uncertainties with him, and his price tag is relatively high too. I mean, 15 million euros—that's a lot of money. Um, so it's gonna be um, it's gonna have to be one of the bigger teams in one of the bigger European leagues to be able to buy him. Um, just because the price tag isn't low. I mean, you were talking about a team like PSV Eindhoven, one of the most storied uh, clubs in, 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 in Europe. They can't afford him just because he's so expensive. Um, so, yeah, it'll have to be one, one of the teams from the top four leagues um, in Europe. That's what makes this move so difficult because there aren't that many teams who would be willing to pay 15 million euros on a player who's never played in Europe. You know what I mean? I mean, we know how good he is. But it's just that, you know, for these European clubs to make that jump, that that leap of faith to sign him for 15 million euros. Um, I do think he's a player who's worth 15 million euros. But to 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 see that actually happen, to see that actually happen would be another thing. So um, it's 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 going to be difficult for him to get that move this winter. Like it's going to be another like. I think it's going to be the same situation as as, as what I, as what we saw this past summer too, but it's, it's probably going to get dragged to the last day of the transfer window in January, and then and then and then and then we'll see what happens. But Tottenham, I have my doubts because I mean they're already pretty stacked in that position. They have a lot of center backs there, a lot of good center backs. You know, like can we definitively say that Kim Min Jae is a better defender than Davinson Sanchez? That's a tough question, to be honest with you. You know. Um, arguably he he is, but you know from a European perspective, you know Davinson Sanchez he's played he, he's played uh, for for Ajax and now for Tottenham. You know he's played for the Colombian national team, and he's he's a young player too. So when you take when you when you look at it from that perspective, there aren't many teams in Europe that would be willing to spend 15 million euros to sign a player who they think is like unproven. You know. So that's gonna be that's gonna be really difficult. But I mean, I hope to see him in Europe just to see how he does because I do think he's one of the best defenders that Korea has ever seen. And um, to see him play in Europe during the prime of his career would be would be really special. So I'm like, I'm excited about the potential move to Europe, which we've been waiting for like the last two years, really. But um, yeah, it won't be easy. Expect another drama in the winter. But I do think he eventually gets that move, whether it's going to be the winter or next summer. I do think he gets it because his contract expires at the end of next year. So you I don't think that rumor. they would let him go for nothing? 
I did hear a rumor. I did hear a rumor that Beijing has an option to extend this contract for another year after next year. But I can't confirm this. That's what I heard, that they have the option. Either either they have the option or Kim Min-jae has the option to extend this deal for another year until 2022. And that will be a disastrous situation from the perspective of, you know, the people who want to see him in Europe. But, um, I mean, but I can I can see Beijing Guan just holding on to him until the end of next year, too, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I mean, like, Yeah, that's you know, the thing that, like, I think yeah. about yeah. CSL teams. Yeah. Like, they, they have care. so much money yeah, that they, they don't, don't give a need damn. to, you know, like, make back the money they've paid for a That's player. what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. And it's like their their standpoint is if we're gonna sell this guy, we better not have any loss. We better get the the, the exact amount of money that we invested in him in terms of transfer fees and the salaries that we spent on him. If unless we can get that money back, there's no reason for us to sell him. We might as well just run his contract down and use him as much as we can. That's their that's yeah. their way of looking at this. So it's like yeah, it's that's what makes it difficult. Once you go, once you make that move to China, and even you know from a player's perspective, I mentioned this last time I was on with you guys too. He's making such a great money in China that like, how do you give that up and go to Europe where you could potentially make less money? You know, like say he went to uh, PSV Eindhoven this summer. This this summer, he'd be making significantly less than what he was making in China. And you know, like he's a guy, you know, young player who just got married making more than $4 million a year in China, like like from a personal standpoint, it's not easy to make that move. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So this is my last question for you. Yeah. Let's say he they, they decide to run down his contract mm -hmm. and he becomes a free agent. Mm -hmm. Where do you think his options would be at that point in his career? Uh, so you mean like the end of next year if he were to yeah, move he's to, on a free, to Europe? Huh. He's available. He's a free agent. What are what kind of options do you think he has at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think once he's available on a free, uh, you know, say the January of 2023 or something, uh, I think he calls his own shots. To be honest with you, because um, he's available for free, uh, no risk involved in that, and we know how talented he is. So if he can maintain his form, and he's available for free for the European clubs, I can definitely see a club, any any club in Europe, taking a chance on him. But it's just that, what kind of salaries are they going to offer to him? That's another thing. Because Jumbo can probably come close to matching his the salary that, that, that he's getting in China. Because they're probably willing to do that to, to, to bring him back to Korea in, in about two years. But, you know, European clubs, um, it's always tough because, you know, like with Kim Min-jae, because he made that move to China, money is a huge factor. Like in terms of both transfer fee, if he were to move before his contract runs out, and even his salary. I mean, I believe he's making four point four million dollars a year. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a player who's playing in Asia. So, um, yeah, money's gonna be an issue. But I think interest. I can't see. I, I I don't I don't see why he wouldn't be garnering enough interest if he was available for free, um, in about a year and a half from now. I mean. That's the dream, right? Just yeah. have him have a lot of interest and a lot of team interested in signing him and just see what happens. But... Yeah, the best scenario for him, to be honest with you, is to make that move to Europe um, as soon as he can because you want to see him make that move to Europe and have enough time before the 2022 World Cup. You don't want it to be a situation where he moves to Europe 
like in the winter, like in January of 2022. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, not that I would be completely against it, but, you know, you want to you wanna see him have plenty of time to adjust to playing in Europe before the World Cup because you want to see him, at, you know, at the top of his, at the, at, at the peak of his career when he goes to the World Cup in 2022 because, you know, that was a heartbreak for him in, in, in 2018 when he missed that World Cup because of the injury. I think that, like, basically, like, what you're telling me is, like, do you think he's going to be every single transfer window, he's going to be pushing for a move? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So I think either he goes as soon as he can, like this coming coming winter or, su- or, or, or next summer, or he just holds it out until the end of the World Cup in 2022, to be honest with you. I think that may be, a, be a, the, the, the smarter thing to do. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, because I really I mean? don't like want it to be a situation, the... yeah, where he goes to a team like Tottenham in January of 2022 and just rides the bench for eight months before he like before he plays in a World Cup. That would be a disastrous situation. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that for yeah. sure. Man, I mean, we love having you on the pod, Steve. Anytime. Um, I mean, we wish we could do it. You know, whenever. Honestly, yeah. so. Thank you so much for coming back on the pod. No problem. Thank you for, you know, talking so much Korean national team stuff with us. And also, congratulations, man. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I feel like I won a championship, even though I didn't. But, you know, this is a this is a special one for sure, man. It's the probably the the LA boy in you, right? Yeah, this is this is probably the most special championship. Like probably not the one that I enjoyed the most. I enjoyed the 2010 championship more than any other championships just because that was like with Kobe Bryant, you know what I mean? But now this one's sort of like you're celebrating him by winning this championship. So it's, this is like special in its own right too. I think, you know, Kobe is looking down on this and he's just, I think he's overjoyed. I think he's so happy. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, this is just exactly what the Lakers needed to do for him. So Yeah, man. that makes us happy, man. Special, you let special. Kobe down, you let us down. So we didn't let him down. So that makes me feel good special time so steve thanks for coming on and just thank you you man go on and celebrate a little bit more (laughs) thank you man all right guys we'll see you next week the one two podcast is available on apple podcasts spotify stitcher and anywhere else you get your podcasts visit anchor.fm slash one two pod to find your podcast app of choice for our listeners in korea on Patbang as well. If you like this podcast, tell your friends to listen. Subscribe to our feed to get notified of new episodes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We've got more episodes coming soon.